Welcome to Managing Well. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode about metrics and what are great metrics to use um, to measure success beyond revenue and really how to do it, how to use metrics um, as a communication vehicle. I had a great conversation with Chris Brown of Atwater Martin and Constanzia Churn of the Ladipo Group. She's our COO and it was a great conversation of actually how to decide what metrics to use and then how to how to implement them in a real way. I'm excited for you to hear it. Welcome to another episode of Managing Well. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. I'm really excited to have this conversation today um, about, about KPIs and kind of thinking beyond KPIs. You know, it's an important measure of success. And often I think organizations kind of only focus in one way. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, and then we're going to jump right into a really exciting uh, conversation. Chris Brown is a senior consultant and HR business partner at Atwater Martin, an HR consulting firm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Chris has over 20 years of experience delivering people solutions across a number of disciplines within human resources. And Constanzia Churn, who I affectionately known as Connie, is our Chief Operating Officer at the Ladipo Group, where we work with individuals and organizations to elevate the Black experience at home, at work, and in the world through diversity, equity, and inclusion, and belonging consulting and psychotherapy services. So Connie and Chris, welcome. I am really, really excited um, to have you both here and to have this conversation. Hi, Tanya. Excited to have the conversation as well. Yes, yes. So I know in our pre-production call, we were, um, and even before, right, we, I think we all have such excitement about making the workplace a good place for people. Um, and so I'm excited for the listeners and, and viewers to, to hear what we're going to talk about. And I know what we're going to have a really engaging conversation. Um, and we also, I think, want to just kind of prime all of us is that there is so much that we could talk about when we talk about metrics um, and that we're not going to, I know we're not going to be able to get to all of it. Um, and so really just kind of honing in, I think, on what is um, kind of some of the ways that we talk about measuring culture um, and going beyond kind of revenue metrics. So, so Connie, I think it is a big shift in the world to think about paying attention as an organization, right? Paying attention to numbers and metrics that are not just revenue. And so I'm just kind of curious in your experience, what, what mindset shift has to happen for especially executives, right? I would say when the company is making a shift to expand what they're measuring and defining a success beyond revenue. Uh, you know, Tanya, I gave a lot of thought <laughs> uh, to that. And yes, it is definitely a huge shift. And especially when you're coming from organizations where revenue is the primary uh, component um, to the measure of that success. But this is going to sound very simple and elementary, but it is really down to the, it comes down to the employees and, and understanding that employees are humans and that they are individuals and that with those individuals, you are going to have to have that at the forefront of thought that then tie into revenue and, and metrics and what you're defining to be your company's success. So, you know, we saw it firsthand and, and through the pandemic in 2020 where everyone was not well, right? We were not well. And we made shifts and we made adjustments and we and we did these things, but it was the primary focus on the individuals that do the work is because if the worker isn't there to do it, 
it doesn't matter what metric you have, what KPI you establish, it can't get done. Well, I should say it can get done, but it's not, it's going to get done at a, at a cost. And as leaders, you have to determine or, or, you know, push that question to yourself at, you know, is it worth it? You know, and, 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 and what is the cost to do this business? And, you know, will the money come if I just handle this a little bit differently and really, really focus on the human aspect of things? Um, you know, I can give you a, a, a lived experience of literally coming from the outside world of revenue and coming into the Ladipo Group and joining the Ladipo Group in 2021. You know, I'm coming in, we have metrics that tie directly into our counseling department in relation to caseloads and required sessions. So for me, I'm looking at revenue, I'm driving revenue. Oh, well, let's just increase the caseloads, right? Let's just increase the required sessions. It's very easy. Two plus two equals four, bah, revenue and all of that. But when I really sat with it and I started to delve into the work of individuals and find out all that encompasses with that, and I put the human experience first, and like, if I do change this, what impact will this have? And then why are we, why are we doing this? Um, yeah, we, we, we know we have to have revenue and we know we have to have money to sustain us, but is this shift really worth it? And what is the balance with, you know, being able to be able to do that? So, you know, I think that that is literally the mindset, the, the first thing sounds very simple, but very, very powerful and important. It's simple, powerful, important. And um, I think a very different way of approaching business. I mean, that, <laughs> you have an MBA. I don't, that's not, I don't think that's what they talk about in they do not. great business school. <laughs> you know, and historically, and we live in a capitalist society, right? So historically, I would also say that that's not, um, like people first isn't the approach that business is normally taken. No, and and they don't. And but we've seen time and time again, you know, research that comes out that that proves that to be a myth. Like when you start with individuals and you really focus on those individuals and what they can do for your organization, the revenue will come. The the revenue will come. But it is a hard conversation to have and it's a hard pull to pull away from that because of the way that everything is structured and how business is structured. Um, so, you know, as leaders, it really puts you in that position of, do I fall back to what I know to be what it is or do I return to source as a human and realize at the end of the day, we are human and then work on working on those things that can get us money still. That is a huge, scary, pile of all kind of emotions <laughs> and really goes against everything that they teach you in business. But I think that if we're going to be successful moving forward and really changing the landscape of what business is, we have to begin to have those conversations and shift that mindset. And it doesn't necessarily need to be one or the other, right? I mean, any organization um, should have some sort of financial metric that they look at and Definitely. hold themselves accountable to. But to your point, Connie, I think you made an interesting point. You know, if you were to just increase those session or caseloads um, and do it in an unrealistic way, then at the same time, you'd be alienating your employees. You'd probably have higher turnover. And, you know, the cost of turnover has been well documented. And so for that short-term gain, 
um, revenue or financial wise, you're kind of um, you're, you're missing the, the perspective long term. And so not to steal, but I've kind of stolen and adopted um, mm -hmm. one of the mantras of the Ladipo group. You know, you really need to find sort of win, win, win solutions. Um, Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and that's like. I think that's that's critical to this whole piece. You got to be realistic. It's okay to have stretch goals, but you got to be realistic and find win win win. You really do because well, you know you're not going to get to that goal anyway if you're really overextending, overstressing, overstretching, all of those over things <laughs> that you do with individuals. Um, we can get there, but let's just think about differently. How do we do that, and how do we balance it all? So. And, you know, just to explain, you know, for us at the Ladipo Group, one of our internal kind of principles and philosophies is that it has to be a win-win-win, right? So it has to be a win for the client. We need to be able to give them great services. It has to be a, a win for our internal team, because when they are feeling cared for, then they're going to deliver great services, right? And then revenue-wise, it has to be a win for the business so that we can function and operate. So, like, that's the kind of yeah. the triple the triple win Um and, you know, I think, Connie, knowing your um, background as a healthcare executive before coming to the Ladipo Group, you mm -hmm. know, we've talked like different cultures, right? Different organizational cultures. And so in your, your experiences of organizations that only focus on revenue, and to Chris's point too, like, you know, only focusing on revenue has problems, only focusing on employee well-being has problems, right? Like there's got to be a lot of different things that you're considering. Um but I'm curious from your experience, Connie, what, what is the impact on organizations that only focus on revenue? Like that, that is like, that's the key metric. As long as we hit our numbers, nothing else really matters. Um, I'm curious from a kind of workplace culture perspective, what that looks like. I'm, I'm going to be just absolutely blunt burnout, disengagement, exhaustion, tiredness, um, unhealthy relationships and interactions, um, all the above, all, all the above, which ultimately turn into, as Chris had mentioned earlier about um, turnover and retention rate. You know, everyone is at a different spot on where they are in life and what they will tolerate and what they will do. And, you know, if you're focused on one sole thing, the key thing is something has to suffer. I mean, that's just life. If you focus on one thing solely, something is going to suffer. And so as, as leaders, we have to have that conversation and um, you know, really, really look at that from a holistic lens of understanding, yes, yes, let's be honest. We have to have revenue. We have to keep the door open. We have to pay salaries. <laughs> we, have to, we have to do all of those business things. But then we also have to take care of the employee and making sure that all of those pieces that are together actually help to that win-win-win solution. And so when you don't do that, you know, I to give an example, um, you know, we had revenue standards we had to make each and every month. We got it done. And at the end of the month, it was, yay, success. We, we did it. Our, you know, our days in AR were at this point. We got X amount, a million at this point. But we were tired. <laughs> We were, we, we were tired. And then there was not a break in between that because as you're stretching for that goal to make sure that you're hitting that number at the end of the month, guess what? It's the first again. And now we are in reconciliation of the month before tying into, and it doesn't stop. So, you know, 
we get the the job will get done, yes, but literally at what cost? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is you know paramount when you're looking at you know building out these KPIs and working within organizations and having a realistic approach and letting your employees know that yes, we we are a business. I see you, but we have to do this, and how can we collaborat- collaboratively do that and get to a good point? So. That, you know, I'm thank you for kind of expanding on that experience and, and perspective, because I think a lot of people have that currently and can relate. And so, you know, I'm curious, Chris, to hear from your, your lens, how do you work with people and organizations who, who are, who are at the point of what Connie's saying, who are like, okay, I understand it needs to be broader than paying attention to revenue. How exactly do they do that? Like what, how do you, I guess, guide people and companies in designing metrics that measure more than revenue, that measure how employees are feeling in their job, how they're being treated, you know, by peers? Like, how do you help people design that? Because metrics, I'm sorry, revenue is easy to measure. That's what I want to say. Revenue is easy to measure, but the other things are harder. So I'd love to hear more about that from your perspective. Well, I mean, I mean, first off, um, Tanya, people have to realize in organizations that, you know, revenue or financial success is not mutually exclusive from having a good company culture. If anything, you know, having a good company culture and having an aligned culture around values um, help drive company success. And so, you know, the reality is, you know, your organization is one that has kind of mental health at the forefront based on who you are. But, you know, every, every day or in the past, uh, you and Connie and myself have, have probably dealt with pharmaceutical companies and healthcare companies and IT companies, et cetera. And so the real way to, to try to get people to really factor in the cultural considerations is to try to enable them to see sort of what that business or value proposition mm. for doing that is. Right. Um, It's sort of like I'll give an analogy. You know, a lot of people want to get an electric car until they understand the cost of an electric car. And once those electric cars, they start seeing those as being beneficial financially to them, then it transitions. And so, you know, I think, you know, there's been um, some some research done over the years about, you know, having an aligned culture, holding people accountable for performance, um, setting fair standards, you know, doing all of these things. And it's a host. It's not one thing doing a host of things um, that that really um, add or contribute not only to the financial situation, but also to an organization sort of realizing their vision and mission. And, and so that's where, you know, when 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 we consult, we sort of start with beginning with the end in mind and say, well, what are you trying to accomplish as an organization holistically, financially, um, in terms of ex- extending or expanding on your mission for the community? And then that starts as the basis for sort of building out what what makes sense from a, a revenue, uh, excuse me, from a from a, um, a balanced scorecard or from a metric approach. And so, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll advise like every scorecard probably should have some some revenue or financial metrics, but a lot of organizations include customer metrics, include quality metrics, and a lot more are starting to incorporate people types of metrics or culture metrics mm-hmm. to um, to really sort of have a, a well-rounded approach. It's it's a fine line. Between, like Connie said, I think it was perfectly said. You know, you get some unintended consequences if you focus only on revenue. On the on the flip side, you don't, you can't focus on everything because it's almost like that old adage: if you focus on everything, you sort of focus on nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. 
So how do you tease out and understand what's most important to you? And so when we dive in and consult in that way, you know, it's important to understand the the business model, understand what some of those targets are, but also understand what the mission and vision who you're trying to serve is and, and sort of keeping that servant leadership mindset at, at the heart. So for or for organizations where this is like the idea of measuring um, culture is new to them, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I appreciate what you're saying, Chris, like you don't want to you don't want to go too wide with all of the measurement, right? Because then you measure anything. And so like what would like be one or two things that an organization could do um, if they're like, you know what, we've been paying a lot of attention to um, revenue and we also want to keep the good employees we have. So like what are one or two things you would say they should pay attention to and measure for that kind of purpose? Sure, sure. So so the, the most important thing, candidly, is asking and listening to your employees. So actually reaching out, listening and getting and wanting feedback from your employees about how it's going, right? And so probably the two most common tools that that employees use and they're kind of broad based and they can also get at other things that tease out of the culture are either employee engagement sorts of surveys or employee satisfaction surveys. And so um, employee engagement's kind of been the direction that, that this has been headed in for some years now because mm -hmm. You know, once again, to get to that win-win-win philosophy, just because an employee is happy doesn't necessarily mean means they're productive. Whereas an engaged employee tends to be a, a better barometer of not only personal satisfaction but organizational health. So, um, so that tends to be one of the one of the main uh, main ways that 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 people kind of get at it and organizations get at it. Um, some organizations create their own sort of in, in employee engagement or employee satisfaction survey. Um, there's a number out there in the marketplace uh, that you can kind of purchase and and then you then you actually um, kind of get a composite of not only how your organization is doing, but also how your organization is doing relative to other organizations. Um, now, I'll give a caution at this point. Wait, sorry, just, which, oh, is great, which is a great baseline, I think, right. to know where, where you stand. Sometimes you look at numbers, you're like, okay, I don't know what this, this means, yeah. right? So to be, to be able to compare. But Chris, I want to go back a second because you sure. said something that I thought was um, uh, really interesting that I want to just tease out. You were, you were, you were uh, making a distinction between employee engagement and employee satisfaction. And so the engagement piece, that, as I heard you talk about it, is that's where it's the win, win, win. So it's not just that your employee is a happy individual when they come to the workplace because they get free lunch, but that, that satisfaction, the way I'm understanding it, right? But the engagement is that they are um, actively a part of the organization. They are contributing to the organization. They are feeling poured into by the organization. It feels, it sounded a lot more um, like reciprocal in nature, not just one way. Exactly. So, so I mean, the best way to think about it, um, in short, and I'll talk a little bit more about it, is, you know, is the employee engaged and actively helping the business on a day to day basis? And some of the things that go into that um, are some of the things that we, as a consulting practice, and probably you do as well, look at, which are, you know, what is there is there is there a clear vision or mission of or or, or goals of what the organization is trying to accomplish. Do people have clear roles and are their roles well-defined so that they're in a position to actually 
contribute and do they understand how what they do every day ties to those bigger goals? Do they have the tools and resources to do their job? Um, are, the, are the goals realistic? Um, and then other things that also get at culture in a broader sort of sense, which is how effective is that person's manager? Um, how's the relationship with the manager? Do people genuinely feel cared about? Do you have a friend at work? So, so some of these things, it's you know, it, it's it, some some of the mental health things, as you can see, and some of the, the enjoyment and satisfaction things blend almost seamlessly in with some of the some of the work things. But if you can set up the right kind of environment, then not only do you have happy employees, but you have productive employees. And um, and once again, you also, in addition to those, you still want to measure you know, your, your financial metrics and your quality metrics, et cetera. A lot of times, if you have strong systems in place for people, if people have meaningful work, if, if, um, if they're able to contribute, you know, it, that shows up in the financials as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not like it's typically one or the other. If, if it is, then, then it requires kind of a deeper look and investigation to understand why someone's really happy, but not performing or why someone's performing at a high level but but satisfaction is really low, and so so those are sort of some of the things that that, that we look at in the process. You know that I, I as you're talking about it, it makes me it makes so much sense, and I'm like, okay, go like let's do it, go implement it. And so Connie, I'm really wanting to hear. Um, I think from your perspective, because you've worked in different organizations with different cultures, um, and so when you hear Chris giving the suggestions about kind of how to measure beyond revenue. Um, I'm curious to just kind of hear from you the like on the ground real-time pain points of implementing what Chris is saying, because what Chris is saying when it's implemented well, like things are like running smoothly, like it's, it's, it's almost magical, right? Um, and the reality of doing it <laughs> and getting there doesn't usually feel magical. It's usually in hindsight, we're like, whoo, glad we did that, but that was rough. And so I just really kind of want to hear like the real part of like implementing, um, implementing like clients or uh, employee satisfaction surveys, like, you know, figuring out like, are people in the right roles and do they have role clarification? Like, you know, we often joke, like, you know, people are people. And so <laughs> you can have the best laid plans and then people are people. People are people. <laughs> love to kind of hear, um, I would love to hear the hardship because I think sometimes that when we're talking about leadership, um, I think sometimes, and I don't, I don't mean the three of us, I mean like in the general conversation mm -hmm. of leadership, uh, we tend to see the success rose, you know, beautiful stories um and anybody and the three of us on this call know anybody who has been in leadership knows that that is like 10 percent of it um yeah. so i just want to be kind of honest about the mucky part you know too so i'm just curious to hear from you yeah so so where do i begin um <laughs> directly um in relation to like employee satisfaction and a lot of feedback and hearing your employee yes in theory you you should that should be at the forefront and you should do that However, when we're trying to apply that realistically to business, sometimes there is a major disconnect there with, with doing uh, pivoting business-wise and trying to get things done. So yes, I hear you. I want you to be valued. I want um, your input. I want your help in helping us get there. But oh my gosh, we have to pivot real quick in business and we have to do it like right now. And right now I can't 
survey you or I can't ask how you may feel about this situation because I have to make a business decision to move it forward. And that always feels ugly because when you when you have to do that, keeping business in mind, it feels like and the perception is to the employees like you're not you're not valuing what I'm saying and my input in that. And the reality is you really are, but you have to do this and make this happen. Kind of similar to, you know, you, you, you have your child and you know your child is going to touch the stove and the stove is hot and they're going to burn themselves. And you could either let them do it and say, I lesson learned, let's talk about that. But your initial reaction is, no, I'm going to pull you from it. I'm going to do this and then I'll explain it to you later. So, you know, it, it's it's very similar to that. But hearing it from an employee perspective, I get it. And I, and I, and I get what that feels like. And I, I literally have had conversations where I've had to sit with my team and say, you know, uh, you know, Connie, I wasn't aware that, that we were going to make this change and do this. I know if I was just asked about this change, I would have told you that I wouldn't have. Yes. And, and I know, and your response was probably like, you're not going to like it, but at the end of the day, the business decision is going to move it forward anyway. So trying to balance all of those pieces is very difficult for leaders as, as you're moving forward because you don't want to give that perception. That's never your intention or shouldn't be, I should say, as a as a as a good leader or a you know servant leader. It shouldn't be. Um, but that is what can come out and what can feel that way, which then has impacts downstream. So now you've made this decision, you've done this thing, you're like, I'm saving us because I have my hat on and this is what I'm doing we're having a conversation and you're saying you weren't involved in that. Now, guess what? We're sending out an employee survey. And the first question on the survey is, does your manager communicate to you effectively when there's change? That employee is going to select no. Right. Every time. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just really looking at all of those things um, together and realizing, you know, how can we do this and how can we make this better and how can we, maybe, um, you know, do our communication and have those hard conversations or those uncomfortable conversations around it um, to be able to implement it and move it forward. I, you know, I love when you just said being able to have those hard and uncomfortable conversations because I'm listening to you. I'm also thinking about what Chris was saying. And, you know, I think part of it, and Connie, you and I have even done this within our, you know, within our organization is setting setting expectations, right? For ourselves as leaders, but also for for the, like the, the team, the organization that there are times where input will be asked for and will be considered. But then there's sometimes, and we, we are, we've talked about this, like we're not gonna ask if we've already made the decision. Correct. <laughs> and, and there's nothing that can be, like there's times where like we, we think we know, but like, no, let's get input is different than like, no, this has to happen. Right. right. Uh, and so, and that doesn't happen all the time, but there are times but where this has to happen. So getting input is, is set, set of a false expectation. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so like being clear of, of setting expectations of when input is gathered, how it will be used. Um, if the decision has already been made, but we want to hear about your feeling about the decision, or if you're part of making the decision. So I feel like the setting expectations is a, is a key part of, when you're expanding how you measure success in an organization. Mm -hmm. And then also the feedback part. I was thinking, Chris, when you were talking about, you know, asking, um, listening, 
listening to, to your employees. And, and I think this ties in with expectations too, listening and being clear about what you'll take action on and what you won't. Because if you just listen, then you start getting the reputation of like, well, they're a good listener, but nothing ever happens. Uh, and that then moves towards not feeling heard. Um, and so I think the peopling part of this um, becomes really, really important. You know, the me metrics are such a, essentially what they are is a communication vehicle when you really think about it, right? Um, because people and organizations have things they want to accomplish, uh, right? And so when people identify what they want to accomplish by setting metrics and goals, you're quantifying and codifying what you want to accomplish. The tough part, back to what some of the stuff that Connie was just saying, is um, it's scary to put yourself out there. It's scary for leaders of organizations to put themselves out there and say, I want to improve quality by this much. I want to improve revenue by this much. I want to improve my culture in this way. And this is how I'm going to measure it. It's scary to put yourself out there. And it's equally scary. And this also was just said um, to have tough conversations with individuals because a lot of people want to, everyone says they want to coach employees. They want to give them feedback. Um, but a lot of managers feel like they're going to be tarnishing the relationship if they give tough feedback and tough conversations. So it's a skill to, to do both at the same time, to let the individual know what's working well, but also what's not working well, and do it in a way where the, where the employee understands that you as a manager in the company truly values their well-being, values their success, but it's a fine line. And so as a result, sometimes it's tough with certain organizations to even take that first step to set metrics. But on the flip side, like I said, it's really a communication tool. And if everyone's in it together and you set realistic, thoughtful goals and targets and metrics, um, you can you, you get what you focus on. And so it's a way to drive success. I love that point about it being uh, that metrics, I was taking notes, metrics as a communication vehicle. Um, and, you know, as you were talking, Chris, a couple of things came to mind. I was thinking about the difference between feedback and criticism. So I will say we'll put it in the show notes because we did an episode on that. Uh, I think that that is a skill set to to develop on how to do it. Yep. So it's feedback and it's clear and it's coaching versus criticism. Um, but you were saying, Chris, about um, it's scary to be a leader. And I saw Connie, your head was nodding. So I'm just like, tell me more. Like what 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 is what is that fear? What is what is scary? Well, I, I think I, I think some people have an inherent fear of failure, right? And so when when you have a set goal, someone could look at that and your performance against that and say, "Oh, you've had a success or you had a failure." I think there's a different way to look at things, um, and it's a healthier way, and that's looking not at towards perfection or just towards a certain goal, but looking at progress. Yes. Um, and that's why we look at, at goals and metrics over a period of time, right? Let's say we, we, we just referenced uh, employee engagement, you know, look, run it, do it in one year and then, uh, and then never look at it again. You pulse every six months or you pulse every year and you look at, um, you look at it as a, as a basis for how is this culture moving and are we moving mm. in the right mm -hmm. direction? It's the same way you can look at professional development. It's a way, same way you can look at company success. And I think when you do that, it, it takes away the um, uh, 
um, the the self blame or the criticism that people have, and it sort of it sort of shifts a mindset um, in a, in a health in a healthy way to help people and organizations attain goals for that midterm and long term. It's all it's this is all a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very um, true. You know, very and uh, it's sometimes a little tougher for public companies because they have the shareholder price and sure. and, and they're going to have to make short term cuts or short term decisions. Um, and so, you know, our voice and probably a lot of the people um, leading uh, uh, listening to this this podcast, they might be HR people or or work in in sort of that cultural culture space. Some of them might be small business leaders. And, and um, you know, I think it's important that they advocate for yes. doing exactly what we're talking about, which is not just looking at the bottom line, it's looking at the culture, it's looking at some of these other things, um, because there is sometimes an inherent tension between um, driving revenue right. and some of the things that we're, that we're talking about. And right. so, um, so sometimes even as practitioners, we have to have those uncomfortable conversations with our, our clients or our boss or wherever you sit in this, in this equation. Right. For the greater good. For the greater yeah, good. Correct. Yeah. Connie, well, I was curious to hear your your like your agreement of like, yes, it can be scary to be a leader and and leading through this. And I would just what what, what were you? Yeah, thinking? you know, yes to all of that. <laughs> um the fear is definitely there, the anxiety and it all um is real. Um you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, as leaders and you and individuals that move into a leadership role, you, you take this on is because you have this core belief that you literally can lead a team and you want to take care of the individuals that you lead. And, um, you know, as you're making these decisions and these tough decisions and what it's going to look like on, on the end in the outcome of it. It, it just causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of, uh, you know, to Chris's point, you feel like I'm tasked to lead this organization or this book of business. And if I fail, we can't fail because then that would mean that would question my leadership. That would question how I'm moving the team. What could I have done differently or better to get us to the point of success? And then depending on what organization you were in, that could really mean end of employment, you know, uh, just being honest. Um, so, you know, you take all of those things and it's scary. And it's, um, it's, it's definitely one of those um, difficult, difficult things to be able to digest. As you sit in that position and you have that entire scope of, of business and realizing what you need to do. Um, but but also with um, Chris had brought up a good point about um, you know client engagement and um, engagement of the staff and um, you know feedback of the staff. You know, if I had one thing to say, which is definitely a detriment to any business, is that when your team or your individuals do give you feedback, what are you going to do with that feedback? Okay, first of all, why are we taking this feedback? Then what are you going to do with that feedback? And are you literally going to listen to the things that your staff is telling you to move mm -hmm. you to the other side? So lived experience again, had a team, was leading the team, and it was asked over and over again, you know, what can we get you to incentivize you to make sure that we get to this point of reaching this goal each and every month? 90% of the staff said a day off came back and it was like, oh, we can't do that with no explanation of why you can't. So why do you keep asking me 
what will make me happy and keep mm -hmm. me engaged. And to the point as Chris and we were talking earlier, keeping you engaged and not just a happy employee, I'm telling you what I need. So as a leader, why not go back to the drawing board and try to figure out how you can meet that? So maybe it's not a full day, maybe it's a half day. Maybe it's a flex out of something different. So I think that that is an important takeaway as well. Not just capturing the, the, the feedback, but actually what are you gonna do with it? Because that in itself tires an individual out too. Like I'm getting another survey to talk to you about the same thing that I talked to you about last quarter and then nothing happened. So, you know, I think that that is very important, but it's all very scary. That, know, that's the quick, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think it, that it's a big, you know, leadership is a big responsibility, right? And so you don't always, you don't always get it right. You don't. Always you don't. Right. <laughs> um, and to your point, I all, you know, and I don't think that, I will say this, I did not know this going into leadership, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that I knew that the pressure would be great, um, but how wrong you're going to get it and how often, hmm. right? And so when I think of like, it's a marathon and, it, you know, over the long run, <laughs> like ideally you're going in the right direction and over the long run, ideally it's, it's going well, but like those micro moments, um, like there are a lot of mistakes. There are a lot of mistakes in there. Um, <laughs> and I think that, you know, I wonder you know, the, the fear of failure when you're constantly failing. Um, I listened to a clip of um, Caroline Wonga, the CEO of Essence Magazine or Enterprise Magazine. Um, and she was saying she gives herself, I think, five or six fails a day before she calls it a bad day. So she can fail one, two, three, four, five times. She's still having a good day. Right. And like the lessons that she's taught herself is like, she is going to fail, which means she bounces back from it quicker because she's used to failing um, mm -hmm. and it gives herself that flexibility and permission. And so I'm, I just wanted to kind of bring that, that into the conversation, which isn't to give it a pass. Sometimes failures oh, are no. big and painful, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the reality of it, and I'm wondering how um, as leaders and people managers and even individual contributors, how we kind of strengthen our muscle for failure, but also um, weave that into our own performance reviews. Like that there is that there is space for learning um, and that there's space for um, kind of what care for each other, care for employees, like what we're talking about, that that is also part of the performance review, not just the revenue. So say you hate, say you miss the revenue, but everybody's really engaged and you were on the cusp and the next quarter, you, you know, you're going to get it if you keep on this trajectory. Right. Um, and then is that really a fail? If like, we're kind of looking at holistically what we're um, trying to accomplish. I, you know, I, I look at it, Tanya, like um, we could probably go down the rabbit hole of <laughs> all kind of concepts and, 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 and things. But when we look at failure, in yes. itself, uh, you know, it just define, you know, look, define it because it, I literally can, I may not, I may have missed that number by, to your point, by a thousand, but the team was fully engaged. We were here, we were doing it. We were working, we were taking care of selves. We were, but we just, we just missed it. And that's going to happen and that's going to be okay. And at the end of that, 
I really need to focus on all of those components that led up to that, that, yeah, we probably could have, you know, done this a little bit differently that would have gotten us there. But let's sit down and look at what the root cause of it can be and then make the adjustments next and then keep the momentum to your point going. But if we stay stuck in that failure and then fall out, and I am going to have a very transparent moment. I've had those moments, those throw your hands up in the air, like, you know what, it's done, I'm done, it's all done. It's not. You have to just keep going through it. And then once you get through it, and you sit down and you look at everything and you reconfigure and you get to a point, then you keep moving. Um, but, and then whatever that measure is to your point of, um, you know, what the failures are to what you were considered, like, this is a bad model, this is not working at all. And we really need to pivot all together and do something differently. You have to have that measure and, and be able to, you know, put that in place to know where you stand, because if not, you could just get lost in, you will get lost in it. You will feel deflated. You will start to question your ability, your leadership. Am I supposed to be here? Am I doing the right thing? Um, which can impact everything um, in the worst way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think as leaders, we need we need to give ourselves that grace. We need to give ourselves that grace. Chris, do you agree? No, 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 I, I totally agree. I mean, I think managing is really, really hard. It's mm -hmm. hard to do and sometimes um, one of the toughest things to do as a manager is to let go. And what I mean when I say that is, you know, leaders are often tasked with a number of things, including setting, setting a vision, building a team, but a true leader and manager is leading through their team. And so especially as goals get um, higher level, they get more difficult. It's all that much more important for managers to lead through their teams, yeah. uh, as opposed to acting like an individual contributor with a manager title. And, and that's something that I see a, a lot of, especially as mm. companies are trying to really take it, take, take their operation and their organization from one level to another. And some of that is just letting go and, uh, and sometimes potentially letting employees fail. Now, now what I mean when I say that is you want to set clear vision, a clear direction, make sure people have the right tools and resources, et cetera. But you have to create a safe space for people to do the work that they're allocated and then for them to occasionally, occasionally fail. Um, and that ties into all of this um, in terms of, you know, building cultural, building, um, you know, cultural strength as an organization, like that really entails, it entails that as well. You know, I want to I want to add to that piece of letting your employees fail. And I like how you set it up, Chris, about like, you know, that they're clear on the job, they're clear on their role, they have the support they need. So it's not like go on and fail, like that you've given them everything that they need to succeed, right? And then it's their choice to kind of take it and, and go with it. And also, I would say as a, as a manager to to then be available to them. So it's not like waiting for them to fail. I think I just want to kind of make that clear distinction. You don't want them to fail. You're not waiting for them to fail. You've set them up for success. You're there for them to get inputs. You're there to coach them when they come to you and to tell them, I want you to succeed in this. Come to me, right? And then I hear your point about letting go and then letting them <laughs> choose to kind of take you up on everything you've done to prepare them for success. And then when failures happen, because they will, I think also part of great people management is, so then how do we talk through that failure? How do we talk through like what went wrong? What could have been better? Mm -hmm. At what point did it go off track? 
Mm-hmm. Um, how will you do it differently next time? And obviously you don't do this with like something that is critical or, you know, <laughs> life-threatening or business-threatening, right? You you take the risks in kind of small ways. Um, but being able to learn through our mistakes is so, that's how we learn. And so I hear your point, Chris, like if we don't allow that to happen and we just tell people what to do, um, you get people who follow rules, but who aren't able to kind of take the initiative, right? And and take it further. And back to your initial question, which was around performance management, I and mean, that's what performance management is for, right? That's why you set goals and metrics, and then you hold people accountable for goals and metrics. And, and the healthiest, easiest, best way um, to kind of performance manage on an ongoing basis is to have that regular bilateral communication, that communication in both directions. This is what's working well. This isn't working well. What tools and resources do you need? Do you have everything you need to do the job? Um, and then, you know, we always advise clients to not just look at the what, but look at the how. And the how is really what are the internal values or competencies, really values that an organization has um, and then are employees living up to those values, whatever they are. Um, and so, you know, if you talk about the what you've accomplished and also the how you've accomplished it, um, that just kind of breeds a healthy environment and it makes sure that there's an alignment between how people are operating and the standards you have as an organization. That's really that's really all performance management is. You're setting, you're trying to accomplish things and then you're trying to help people reach or ideally exceed whatever standard you've set for performance. And that includes what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I think the piece I'll add is making sure that you're doing that with everybody in your team Um, and that you're treating people the same so that you're not just coaching the people that you like (laughs) and ignoring the others. You're not just letting people fail who you don't really want to be here, but you're not letting others fail. Right. So that you're there, you're applying your performance as a manager, right? Performance management, uh, equitable across the board for everybody so that everybody has the opportunity opportunity to learn. I know that we're running on um, close on time and it's been a great conversation, but Connie, I didn't know if you had um, any last thoughts that you wanted to share or ask Chris the same thing too before we close out. You know, I, I just want to say just, um, you know, again, just leadership is scary. <laughs> I think we've established that throughout That's this entire conversation. Um, leadership is scary. Um, we have a lot of things going on. We have a lot of measures. We have a lot of you know ways that we move business and, and want to measure success. But I truly believe that the success through it all is to start with human beings, realizing that your employees are human, that they are a major component to any success, any plan that you lay out, you take care of the employee, the employee takes care of the organization, the revenue comes. Thanks. Thank you. Yep. Chris, a final word from you before I close this out? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just you just said, Connie, 100%. Um, you know, the, the only thing I'll kind of add just as kind of last thoughts about, about metrics and thinking about this topic in general is, you know, um, like I said before, you know, making sure you have sort of a balanced approach to what you're looking at for metrics, really, really, really important and helps you um, avoid unintended consequences. Um, uh, Secondly, on the metric front, um, 
you really you want to make sure that you're able to operationalize what these mm-hmm. metrics are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've dealt with clients, I've been in other organizations where there's a concept that's a really good concept of what you want to measure, but the organization or the individual hasn't really taken time to define it. How is it calculated? Is it easy to get the data? Because like I said before, um, you know, really metrics are a tool for communication. And so the data should be as objective as possible and you should be able to get it quickly and easily. And if you can't, what's going to happen is you're going to tell people where this is what we're going to measure and then it's going to fall by the wayside. You're going to lose a lot of credibility. And then finally, uh, values matter. Yes. And not a lot of companies actually take the time to have meaningful conversations and educate employees about what the values are and what it means to be living up to the values of their organization. And so that's kind of, that kind of underscores everything, um, including how you step into the metrics and the metric conversation. So that I would just leave leave your, your audience with those sort of things to to think about because they're all really, really relevant. I appreciate Chris, Connie, your expertise and the information and your perspectives and lived experience has been really, really helpful. Um, and I think just as we close out, I was thinking you were saying it's uh, leadership is is scary. And I think good people management and leadership is is courageous, which means that you are doing scary things often. Yes. Um, you don't stop because you're afraid. Um, and so when it's a shift from expanding how we measure success, um, that we're courageous with it and we have the conversations we need to have internally and then also also with our team. So thank you both, Chris. Thank you, Connie. Thank you, Connie. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and joining in. Um, if you, um, oh, we always have a worksheet to download that goes along with the episode. So we'll have show notes that will kind of give you key takeaways, reflection points to think about. Uh, based on this wonderful conversation. So, so thank you. Thank you both for your time. Thank you, Tanya. A pleasure. Bye. Thank you for listening to Managing Well. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about today's episode, go to thelodipogroup.com slash podcast for a worksheet on today's episode. A special thanks to my podcast team and the Ladipo Group who supports this show. Managing Well is produced and edited by Black Faves Brand Studio. I'm your host, Tanya Ladipo. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss, email me at managingwellpodcast at theladipogroup.com.